Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. What I'm speaking on, and today I'm talking about sexual uh, orientation, uh, part of a series on uh, sex that we've been uh, speaking this week. So what is your orientation? And um, I really feel that as I uh, come to this topic, you know, I've been a pastor for well over 25 years. I've preached countless sermons. Uh, I've never talked on this issue publicly. I've talked about it many, many times on an individual basis. And today I'm just really going to present an introduction and a couple of ideas. I didn't get anywhere near uh, even through my own notes, let alone through uh, all of what could be discussed. And so please consider this just an introduction and uh, a starting point. Because my goal today is, is to start a conversation. And that's what really needs to happen. We need to start talking about this, obviously, it's a huge issue in our world, in our day. Uh, the Supreme Court has already pretty much allowed, and I guess there's another case coming where they think it's going to just be a done deal, where uh, uh, um, marriage will be completely legalized for um, people uh, in the uh, gay or lesbian and all the other classifications. <coughs> And so, you know, we just as Christians need a response. And so my, my talk today is really to us as Christians and how to respond to this and kind of start looking at the Bible and understanding the biblical perspective. But it's going to take a lot more than one 30-minute sermon, <laughs> right? Um, and so it's no longer about just a homosexual lifestyle. I guess that's what it used to be about because the question has expanded or the issue has expanded to include an entire spectrum of sexual identities uh, and uh, lifestyles. In other words, <clears throat> uh, in the discussion today or the way that the world is embracing this is that it, gender is no longer male and female but rather a, a vast range uh, or spectrum based not upon your biology, but upon your sexual orientation. And so this in, in and of itself <clears throat> changes the whole discussion because you're not talking about whether or not homosexual behavior is right or wrong or even uh, homosexual attraction, but now you have um, the, the, the topic has actually changed a little bit to say, well, there's almost an infinite number of different variations of a person's gender association. In other words, just because they were born biologically male, if they're uh, sexually attracted to males, then they, okay, that's a gay. <clears throat> but maybe... They're not, and we actually had a man uh, a few years ago come to this church. He was, he was, he was a born biological man, male, uh, and he was not homosexual, but he was um, uh, basically a transvestite. He felt more that comfortable dressing in women's clothing, 
Right? And so he wanted, and he came and asked my permission to, to come dressed as a woman in women's clothing, even though he totally uh, was opposed to homosexual lifestyle. And so here he, he was not homosexual, he was not gay, uh, 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 he, but he had this other issue of, of uh, uh, a transvestite dressing as a, a, a woman, and he felt that that was his identity. <clears throat> and so that's part of uh, what's included in this discussion is, okay, how do we respond to this issue that is just blasted in our face continually in the media, in our, in our today's culture. So, so I'm going to start with a bunch of questions. Is your future predetermined? Is it shaped by forces which you have no control? And what's funny is that um, those who uh, uh, su uh, support this whole uh, pro- uh, gay lifestyle or, or lesbian lifestyle actually saying, well, that's the way you were born. You have to accept that. <clears throat> and so I'm just asking, you know, is that true? If you're queer, and the reason I use the word queer is that based on my research, that is the term that people in that lifestyle uh, prefer to be used. And so because it refers not because it's, a, it's an umbrella term that refers to all the different uh, uh, gender identities that are now considered acceptable. All right? So it, 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 it spans the whole range from lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and then there's literally a list of uh, alphabet letters that's like this long. And so they said... They, and it, it depends on the person you're talking to, but that's now the new thing. So I, when I use the word queer, I'm, I'm using it because that's what they want from what I can and say. And so that refers to everybody that's not living what would be considered a straight lifestyle, which is if you're born biologically male, you are attracted to and you only have sexual uh, interaction with females. All right? <clears throat> so... And then there's another question. Should your identity actually be determined and defined by your sexuality? You know? And so how much of that is, is even the right balance? And uh, what we have in culture today is this huge push that your sexuality defines your identity. And I just want to ask, really? Is it really to be that significant? Uh, or should your identity be based on bigger things and your identity shape your sexuality. Does that make sense? All right. And so the whole argument or the whole stance of many people that's demanding their sexuality defines their identity is, in my opinion, upside down. And, and if you start with sexuality, then you're, you're starting at the wrong starting point. Okay, and so you're bound to get to end up in confusion or or disorientation rather than clarity. <clears throat> and then the question is, can a person change? And um, I think I think the Bible actually says <clears throat> that everyone 
is supposed to change. The gospel requires and calls. The message of the gospel is that every man, woman, and child is supposed to change. Change in every way. All right? And so the idea is, can a person change their sexual orientation? Well, can a person change is really the underlying question. And the gospel requires change for everyone. Uh, and so that's where we were we're uh, uh, responding to that question. All right. <clears throat> yeah, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> so some, a friend of mine told me this just a couple days ago on a totally unrelated topic. But he said, your vision of your future shapes your present. Right? Your vision of your future shapes your present. And he went on to talk about it. He said, you know, if, <clears throat> if you... We're handed today, if I walked up to you, say you're in a bad mood, you're bummed, it's the middle of winter, you know, you're just uh, not feeling great. And I, I walked up and handed you free ticket to a, a seven-day Caribbean cruise in three weeks, all right? All expenses paid, all right? All right? <clears throat> Would that change how you feel today? Absolutely! Would that change how you behave today? Yes! You would be making plans, right? Getting things in order, packing, figuring out uh, who's going to take care of all this while you're gone on that seven-day cruise, all right? And so your vision of the future shapes how you feel and how you behave uh, today. And that's really, really significant <clears throat> because um, uh, many people hear that their future is, is, is uh, determined by their present. In other words, uh, many people hear that, uh, you know, if you're feeling a particular way or behaving a particular way, that's your, that's your future, okay? And there's no way you can change. And so if, they, if you buy into that, then your vision of the future is, well, I feel these feelings now. I can't change. Therefore, I must embrace this as my identity, and then, and then they, uh, rather than saying, you know, what is my future? My future can be this. Does this make sense? Well, let me tell you a story, <clears throat> Paul's story. And you can read Paul's story at that link, bit.ly uh, slash Paul's story. <laughs> and Paul is a, is a guy I met, I think it was two years ago, a year ago, <clears throat> not long ago. <clears throat> and when I first met Paul, um... I knew pretty quickly that there was something different about Paul. <laughs> All right? Uh, and so I, uh, you know, it was in a, a retreat, and I got, I got sat down and talk, started talking to him. <clears throat> so this is, this is a summary of Paul's story. Paul's story, uh, as a young kid, he was very sickly, and uh, uh, the... A major influence in his life was a, a doctor, a, a man that figured out what his disease was. It was actually just asthma. And once he uh, got uh, treatment for his asthma, it, it really changed his life. So he had an incredible emotional uh, affection for that man. And then there was another teacher, he said, um, that really influenced his life in elementary school. And all of his friends in elementary school were girls, and all the girls had a crush on this teacher and were infatuated with this teacher. And he said, well, I feel uh, so strongly for this teacher. Maybe I have 
a crush on him too. And, that, and so he felt infatuated toward this teacher. And, you know, it's during that time when he was beginning to think about sexuality, and that influenced his thinking significantly. All right. <clears throat> A little bit later on in life, his sister, who was married, got divorced, then came out as a lesbian. Okay, and so Paul really started questioning his own sexuality. And, and basically, well, there's one other big factor. Oh, actually, uh, it's all jumbled up. You can read it more detailed at that link. <clears throat> at some point, he began to act and believe that he uh, was gay. And... Um, he later found out that his body actually doesn't produce testosterone, okay, which is the hormone that uh, causes a male features to develop. And so he actually had a physiological um, uh, defect in his body, was not producing testosterone, I don't know, probably some, I mean, I don't think you can live without any testosterone, even women have testosterone, but not to the levels of a normal male. And so that affected his physical appearance, it affected his emotions, his moods, it affects every aspect of you. And so physiologically, he had a he had uh, an issue uh, uh, socially, emotionally, he had uh, uh, factors that made him um, have greater affection toward males, and all of that combined led him to live his entire adult life fully as a gay male. Okay, he was completely living a gay lifestyle. People would, uh, and that was reinforced continually throughout his life. People said, "You're gay. Celebrate that. That's the way you're born. God made you that way, and God doesn't make mistakes." And <clears throat> So for, for, for his entire life, he lived that way. He was in his 40s, and he was still not happy. He wasn't satisfied. He knew there was something missing. He struggled because he was raised in a Christian home, and he, he couldn't reconcile what the Bible said about homosexual lifestyle and his lifestyle. And it wasn't until he went to a church where someone was willing to say, there is the possibility of change. That God can change your desires and your affections, all right? Uh, and can uh, give you hope to live a life of fullness. And when he heard that, it caused him to believe something different about his future. And so he had, a, a, he, he had faith to believe that he could change as well. And he said, even though he lived, now he says, he lived most of his, his, his entire adult life as a gay. He's gay no more. And so just last week he went on a date with a woman. And it went really well. And so it was, it was actually a simple, it wasn't really that, I mean it took him years to go from uh, living a complete gay style to getting a place where he no longer sees himself as gay. And so, whether or not you're pro-gay or not, you can't argue with his story. That's his story. <clears throat> okay, so I want to talk about a couple of questions that are frequently asked uh, to me. Will queers, and that would be anyone, so that would be like Paul, until he turned 48, right? Up until he was 47, he was living a complete queer lifestyle. Will he go to heaven? And I think, I'm not going to answer that question because it's the wrong question. Right? So this is a question that most people are thinking, well, well, can they go to heaven? 
I'm like, well, that's a wrong question. We can't answer that question. Even if you consider uh, uh, every form of queer behavior as sin, then it's simply equivalent to something like uh, persistently yielding to pornography, which is clearly sin. Okay? <laughs> All right? There's no question. If you look at a woman in the lost to her, Jesus says you've committed adultery. All right? And so adultery in Old Testament law is equivalent to homosexual behavior. And so... Um, if you ask that question about someone practicing a queer behavior, then you have to ask the same question about someone who's struggling with any form of sexual sin and any form of sin. At what point does a particular sin determine eternal separation from God? I'm going to give you my confident answer to that. Right? I don't know. <laughs> All right? convinced. I don't know. <laughs> and that this, this brings up another issue that people get confused about is eternal security, which is a code word for uh, Christian slang for having an assurance that when you die, you'll go to heaven. All right? And so I believe that there's not a contradiction here. I am completely secure that my, in my eternity, that I know that when I go to have, when I die, when I face Jesus in the judgment, I'm going to be accepted because my faith is based on Jesus' death on the cross and nothing but, and I've committed to him wholeheartedly and I'm living, that li I'm living a life of discipleship following after him. I can know that about myself, but I can't know that about anyone, not even my own wife. I can't. Now, I can presume, but there's always a point where only her and God can really look into that part. Uh, and that's why I'm always really careful when I do funerals, even if it's someone that has lived a life that, you know, there's no evidence of, of godliness. You don't know what's gone on in their heart. You don't know what happened moments before they died. You just don't know. All right, And so the response is, well, let's learn what the Bible says about this, believe what the Bible says about it, live what the Bible says about it, and talk about it. We need to start talking and communicating. And if people get angry at us, then we love them back. Right? We just don't, we don't return evil for evil. Next question, are some people born queer? Is it something you're born with? <clears throat> well, I believe genetics affect every part of a person. Every part. All right. So is someone born a scientist? Someone born a mathematician? Yes, no, maybe so. Well, some people can be born with a propensity toward math. I wasn't. <laughs> okay, I can I guarantee you there's a genetic element. I, I don't have the math gene, okay? Really. I need a calculator to figure out my phone number. <laughs> All right. Some people, bam! Bill Menser, man, he's got an answer to a math question before you finish the question. It's just, it's just I'm like, dang, how do you do that? All right. <clears throat> now, our biological gender is determined uh, uh, by the XY chromosomes. It's one of the first things they figured out in genetics. And it's a very easy test. Okay, they determine if you're male or female. They can dig up mummies and they can tell this is a female, this is a male. All right? It's not like, it's not very ambiguous. And so the biology is not ambiguous for the vast majority. When you say that, people come up, well, but there's these people that have, yeah, there are, I think it's one in 10,000 children, if I remember the number correctly, approximately, have 
a genetic disorder, like many there's many genetic disorders to which their um, their sex organs are deformed. Okay, so that doesn't mean that everybody, you know, that if that's a defect, then that's that's. Uh, doesn't mean that um, sexuality is ambiguous. It just means for them they have a, a condition. And usually it's minor. There's very, 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 very rare is there a major defect in that. So biological gender is determined. But even if there is a genetic connection <clears throat> between a person's sexual orientation, in other words, the affections they feel, then it's simply evidence of fallen nature. Okay? It's simply evidence that uh, what the Bible says, that everyone is born broken, is true. All right? And so we don't have to get all uptight about whether or not there's genetic evidence. As far as my research is, is uh, that I've been able to determine, even the people that are pro-queer uh, lifestyle say it's, it's not clear whether or not there is strictly, and that genetics only plays a partial role at most. <clears throat> God says in his word, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And the word salvation means change. It means being rescued. It means being made whole. And so everyone is born broken. And the gospel is the message to bring about uh, salvation for everyone who believes. And in that verse, he, he brings up the racial division between Jews and Greeks, which was the heated debate in their day. And so the same thing can be said in our day for this division between straight and gay is that, you know what? God's, the gospel of salvation has a power to change everyone. <clears throat> okay, so how do we relate to queers and supporters? Right. How do you interact? This is what I'm like, well, how do I respond to them? And I think this is the key verse. Jesus said, don't judge others and you will not be judged. For with the for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think uh, of saying to your friend, and I like to underline that he's talking about friendships, <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you don't have someone that's in, uh, that's living a queer lifestyle or supporting a queer lifestyle as a friend, then maybe that should be goal number one. Let's, let's make friends. All right? Because you can't influence someone unless you have a relationship. Okay? <clears throat> um, how can you say to your friend, uh, let me help you get rid of a speck in your eye when you can't see the, past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So we are to not... We are to not live judgmentally, okay, or condemn others because of their beliefs or their behaviors. You can't approach this issue with a judgmental uh, uh, heart or mind. And you have to put more emphasis on dealing with our own failures before pointing out others, especially avoiding double standards. And if there's one thing that uh, the church as a whole has really failed in, and this is where the, the supporters of the queer lifestyle and people in that lifestyle point at the church saying, who are you to tell us how to live Especially in the area of sexuality, when the church is full of divorce, adultery, 
uh, you know, one TV evangelist after the next uh, falls in uh, 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 serious moral failure. And so they're saying, how can you speak? And you need to respond like, you're right. We, you, you need to have victory in this, in, in, uh, in this part of your life in order to speak to, into their lives. So we need to look at our, ourselves first. But listen, the next verse in that passage, so Jesus didn't stop speaking. The next thing he said was, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, and then turn and attack you. So right after warning against judgment, Jesus immediately calls some people unholy pigs. <laughs> yeah. And she so go, uh, and you should say, well, what the heck's going on here? You know, <clears throat> and I think Jesus, I think it's very important because people go, Jesus says don't judge. Yeah, but he also called people pigs. All right? Well, okay, this is getting to know Jesus a little better. And I think your pearls are things that are valuable, your values. Don't throw, your, don't throw them upon those who are given the trample and attack you. Alright? And so, uh, I think what this means is don't argue with people. You just don't argue with people because that's not how Jesus did it. He didn't argue with people. See, he declared truth and when they resisted... He was quiet. Alright? Except for religious people. But even then he didn't enter into the debate. He would say the answer. He'd ask, ask another question. Alright, another big question is, I can't believe it. I, I thought I wouldn't have enough, top, enough notes to fill the time, actually. Here we are. So, Jesus never mentioned it, therefore it's not a sin. How many have heard that? Alright? So, let me just deal with this. Jesus' definition of sin is based on Old Testament law. The very fact that we call Jesus Lord is based significantly upon the fact that he lived a sinless lifestyle. And sinless is defined by the sins that are described in the Old Testament. So Jesus' identity as Lord that gives him authority to speak uh, is that he lived a sinless lifestyle. Sinless being defined by the Old Testament law. Does that make sense? Okay, so when Jesus referred to sexual sin, he referred that, what he meant by that, and the only thing he could mean by that, by that would be as described in the Old Testament. All right, to assume Jesus' morality defied that of the Old Testament is to completely misunderstand Jesus, take Jesus out of his culture, out of his context, and pluck him down into a completely foreign setting. Okay? It'd be like taking uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, Sherlock Holmes out of his historical context in the story he was told and put him in you know, 21st century. Uh, <clears throat> maybe makes a good TV show. <laughs> but you're not going to understand his words and his references the same way. All right? now, Jesus, when he used words, used it defined when he spoke of sexual immorality, it was already defined. And everyone he was speaking to understood what he was referring to. Okay? Because it was filled. His whole culture was filled uh, with the understanding of the Old Testament law. And Jesus 
affirms the Old Testament description. It says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And he actually doesn't say you won't get in the kingdom of heaven. But he says, you'll be called least. In other words, every law, every commandment still has a purpose. Anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness, your right standing before God because of, based on relationship, is better than the righteousness of the teachers and the religious law, uh, of the religious law and the Pharisees, in other words, the example of the religious leaders in his day, you will never even enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, <clears throat> so, Jesus said that the Old Testament law still uh, applied and his definition of sin is, is consistent with Old Testament uh, law. <clears throat> I'm just going to go over. <laughs> <By the way. laughs> That's why we made intersection longer. <laughs> he said, uh, what defiles a person? Um, in another place, Jesus said, what defiles a person? He says, it, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desire, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So point number one. The definition of all those words that he uses is based on what is expanded on throughout the whole Old Covenant. And so we can, we can learn what that means. But I think the big point is, is that Jesus is saying, hey, it all comes from within. And so if someone's arguing that their sexual orientation is something they're, they're born with, we're like, yeah. Okay. God has the power to transform. In fact, God calls everyone has to be transformed as much as you do. Right? It's not like you have to be transformed more. It's just your transformation, you're focusing on one aspect of it. <clears throat> I did hear, I read this great testimony not long ago of a woman who became a Christian against her will. <laughs> she was a successful very influential uh, journalist, living a completely queer lifestyle, had everything, and, and for for various reasons started go attending a church uh, because she had a friend that was, and it was an interesting lecture. And a particular church is uh, more academic and uh, very successful. And the speaker, Timothy Keller, is really. Uh, a good speaker and very academic and so kind of drew her in on that level and she just found it interesting and kept going back and over the course of, of a significant amount of time realized she actually believed this stuff you know and she became a Christian and it was like two years later before God ever spoke to her about her gay lifestyle and I'm like wow and her testimony is very powerful because it wasn't the first... She said God just had a lot of other things that he had to deal with first. All right? <clears throat> so let's look at this real quick. I'm going to take just a few more minutes. 
because uh, Jesus t- tells us uh, uh, what defiles us. Um, sexual sins are listed with theft and murder and a few others. And so if we say that Jesus' reference to sexual sins no longer apply, then we have to say that his reference to theft and murder and deceit would no longer apply. Right? Well, you can't say that. Murder, that's bad. All right? So because Jesus says, these are the things that defile you, we can't just cherry pick what we like and say, well, I, I, I want to get away with sexual sin. Great, you get away with sexual sin, I want to get away with theft. So I'm going to take your car. Okay. <clears throat> uh-huh. So sexual, what's the word sexual immorality refer to? Jesus, it's very clear. It's a pornea, is the Greek word. Um, that we find in the New Testament is a general term for all sexual sin. And it would have been defined by how sexual sin was perceived in Jesus' day, by Jesus' language, by Jesus' culture. And that was adultery, fornication, which is any sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. Okay? Including homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, and fill in the list. Okay? So all of those things are very clearly talked about throughout the Old Testament. And yes, they, are dis- they were practiced in pagan religions. But even in the context of how that's used in Leviticus, by the way, as well as other places in the Bible, just because they were practiced in the context of pagan religion doesn't mean that what the Bible was speaking about is limited to the practice in paganism. Okay, does that make sense? All right? Because they, they address pagan religions, but then they address sexual behavior. And, and just let me be clear. People did these things in pagan religion thing, uh, uh, ceremonies, but they also did all of those things outside of the pagan religions. And you know what? People are today are just like they were then. In that most people, like, they, they give a little bit of credence to their religion, but then they just have their lifestyle. All right? And so to say that people were engaging in, in, in all of these sexual behaviors in the temple and therefore it doesn't relate to today is really naive. Because it actually was commonplace in the culture and that's why God speaks about it. So when Jesus says sexual immorality defiles you and you won't enter the kingdom if you practice those things, he's actually talking about all this stuff. So Jesus did talk about it very clearly. He then mentions adultery, which just happens to be the most common form of sexual sin as someone sleeping with someone else's spouse. And then he goes and talks about lustful desire. I'm almost done here. And this is an interesting word. It actually means, it's a word licentiousness or lasciviousness. Because those have a lot of syllables, we don't use them very much anymore. All right. But it's the attitude of heart and mind that leads to all sin, actually, but particularly sexual sin, and the acceptance of such behavior. It's the giving over of your mind to wantonness. What is wantonness? That is, wantonness is simply doing whatever you want. Okay? And Jesus particularly says... That lustful desire or wantonness, lasciviousness, licentiousness. Licentiousness means that everything's okay. You have license to do whatever you want. Uh, is He addresses it specifically. <clears throat> he not only talks about the acts of sexual sin, but he talks about the heart condition that leads to it. So I would just ask, is 
Jesus speaking to what some call orientation. Right there. And I think he is. And I think it's a situation that every man, everyone struggles with issues of the heart that lead them to believe and behave in ways contrary to God's nature. Alright? And that whether you're queer or straight, you've got something in your life that's not right with God. And he calls us to change. He speaks directly to that inward person, the child on the inside, trying to figure out life. And the, and the response is, Jesus loves that child. And so as we interact with those in the queer lifestyle, we need to communicate God's love first and foremost. That, we, that they don't have to change their sexual uh, uh, understanding before they can experience God's love. All right? uh, and uh, that it's actually in experiencing the love of Christ that they can be open to God stepping into, the Jesus stepping into, the Holy Spirit stepping into that most private and personal aspect of their identity, of their personhood, which is their sexuality, the vulnerable place. When they experience God's love, God's love can then reach into that place and begin to address that aspect. All right? I could talk for hours more, but I'm out of time.